lovely people and welcome back to another episode of Energetics and Alchemy. Thank you so much for tuning in again. I just want to preface this episode at the top by saying that I have come down very mildly sick, just like a little cold. Um, So if I sound a bit funny or not too great, that is why. I feel like my voice is doing okay, but I am feeling a little bit throaty, so (laughs) not the best, but just a heads up. Um, But yeah, I still wanted to jump on and record because I'm really, really excited for today's episode because it's something I find really fascinating and love talking about. So yeah, I still wanted to record today even though I'm not feeling 100%. So it's Sunday morning here at the moment, so I figured I'd get get it done nice and early so that I can then just relax for the rest of the day. Um, We went to the Disney 100 concert down at the Gold Coast last night, so I'm feeling a little tired today. We did have, not a massive night, but it was a bit of a late night. We live about an hour's drive from the coast, so it was a little bit of a late night. Uh, But yeah, it was really, really beautiful. I loved it so much. It was an amazing night for anyone who doesn't know me in person. I'm a massive Disney fan, so... Yeah, it was basically just like a little dream come true for me. It was so much fun. And the music in particular is one of the things that I love the most about Disney, like Alan Menken and Howard Ashman are two of my favourite composers. I love all of the like soundtracks and scores. So yeah, it was really amazing seeing them live. It was like a live orchestra deal with like a few performers singing as well. So yeah, it was a really beautiful night. But yes, unfortunately, as the night progressed, I started feeling like I was coming down with something. So yeah, I've woken up this morning not feeling too bad, but also not feeling fantastic. So with that, we will just jump straight into today's topic, which is essentially the subconscious mind. So that's kind of what we're focusing on today. And how we can actually start to kind of use our subconscious mind in our favour. So again, this is definitely a bit of a sweet spot for me in terms of just being really, really interested in the subconscious mind. I find all of that kind of stuff really fascinating. And I feel like it's kind of key to all of this work. Like a lot of people talk about the subconscious mind and I feel like a lot of people do know that it's an important part of our system. But I feel like it's the most important part. Like it is literally basically the part of our brain that is running the entire show and really creating our reality and how we're perceiving things. Because at the end of the day, literally everything that we're experiencing in our lives is just a perception on an individual level, if that makes sense. So It's just the way we are perceiving things and everyone perceives things differently and our subconscious mind is kind of what's behind how we are viewing the world and how we're processing information and how we're storing information and what we're holding on to and what we're not holding on to. So I think it's just really, really, really fascinating and I hope you guys really enjoy today's episode because it's something that I have really enjoyed researching and writing notes for. And I know it's going to be something that I love talking about as well. So yes, today we're going to be talking about the subconscious mind and how this works, basically. And in particular, how it works with manifestation. And so second to that, we'll also be talking about the other parts of the mind as well. So the concept of the subconscious mind originated back with Sigmund Freud. 
and it really kind of kicked off a lot of what modern psychology is all about. So, I mean, I'm sure I don't need to say it, but what we're talking about today isn't just woo-woo stuff. It's not just, like, spiritual woo magic. (laughs) It's literally, like, the science of the mind. So this is just how our brains work. Like, scientists have studied it. It's legit stuff. And the concept of the conscious mind and the subconscious mind and the unconscious mind are all used throughout modern psychology still today. So this isn't like pseudoscience stuff, this is actual science. (laughs) So we have three parts to our minds as humans. We have the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, and the unconscious mind. And I feel like I've heard people refer to the subconscious and unconscious mind kind of interchangeably on occasion. And while they are kind of similar and can kind of be umbrellaed under just like the subconscious mind... The unconscious mind is still really its own thing. It's kind of almost like a subpart of the subconscious. So for the sake of today, um, I will be referring to them separately. Grim has just wandered in to join us doing his little meows. Hey, Grimmy. Just wait for him to get comfortable. The cats have been so clingy lately. (laughs) Um, particularly overnight they've been sleeping because I have two cats Grim and Celine and they've been sleeping in our bed with us every single night like right up against me it's literally like having a toddler or something in the bed I mean it's really sweet but yeah they're definitely being little clingers at the moment and I'm not 100% sure why but it's all good I'm here for it okay he's just chilling but if you hear any meowing or noises in the background just know it is grim wandering around my office (laughs) um but yeah so we have the three parts of our mind and i'll be talking about the like subconscious and unconscious mind as separate kind of parts of the brain which they are but often they'll be referred to i guess just under subconscious mind and so the three parts of our minds are kind of like an iceberg so If you picture an iceberg, the conscious mind is like the tip of the iceberg. That's what's outside the water. The subconscious mind is like the middle of the iceberg. It's what you can still kind of see from outside the water, but it is under the water. And the unconscious mind is the very bottom of the iceberg, which isn't visible from outside of the water. It's way down in the deep. And so the reason I really want to talk about like the different parts of the brain today, and in particular the subconscious is because so much of what we talk about on here and so much of working with energetics and manifestation is rooted in our minds. So much of it takes place in our minds. Like obviously there's the embodiment work as well, but that all kind of starts with shifting our mindsets, our outlook and tapping into our subconscious to reprogram our beliefs and our attitudes, which is of course what we'll be talking more about today. But yes, for me, I kind of view mindset work and subconscious work as literally one of the most important things we can be doing in our lives because our minds are like the most powerful tools that we hold. Our mind is really the only thing that we have control over in this world. And by understanding how our minds work and how infinite they are and how our subconscious works and how we can work with it, we can bring so much power back to ourselves. Like... There is so much power to be had in literally just your mind, like your brain. And it all really comes back to, again, the subconscious. 
So for me, having a good understanding or even just a basic understanding of how our subconscious minds work has really helped me to wrap my head around how literally all of this like energetic manifestation stuff actually works. And I feel like having that understanding really kind of takes it all to the next level. So a lot of people will be trying to manifest from a very surface level. Um, So without kind of doing that deep inner work and rewiring. But the key really is the subconscious work because that's where our beliefs and Basically, everything that influences our outlook on the world is stored and where they can really be tapped into and changed if needed, which in most cases is needed because we're all carrying stuff that's weighing us down in our subconscious. Like we all have beliefs and attitudes unless you've been literally raised in an absolutely perfect world where nothing bad has ever happened to you, then you will be storing stuff in your subconscious that will be blocking you basically from living the life that you really want to be living even if you're not really bringing that into awareness like you could be completely unaware of it but it's there and that's the whole point of what we're kind of talking about today really is bringing that awareness to it so uh, with that we're going to dive right into it so to start with we're just going to be talking about the conscious mind which is probably the easiest to kind of understand I guess or the most straightforward So our conscious mind is literally exactly what it sounds like. It's the part of our mind that we are consciously using. Conscious being the key word here, which really means aware of. So our conscious mind is the part of our mind that we're using literally right now. For you as you listen to this episode and for me as I record this, it's the area that is directly aware of our surroundings and our thoughts and our behaviours It's responsible for communicating and decision-making. It's kind of like, again, the top of the iceberg. So your conscious mind is constantly processing the things that you're currently aware of and experiencing and thinking about and doing. So it's very surface level. There's not a lot of depth to it. It kind of works like a spotlight almost on whatever it is that you're currently focusing on. So for me, I'm recording this episode and that's what my conscious mind is focusing on right now. If you're watching a movie, your conscious mind will be processing watching the movie. If you're eating a meal, your conscious mind will be processing that. It's focused on whatever you're doing in the moment and whatever you're actively aware of in the moment. It's also the part of our mind that processes or receives information from our five senses So what we're smelling, tasting, physically like feeling and touching, that's all our conscious mind processing that. And it's also associated with like our short-term memory. So it's like a very present part of our mind. It's the part that's focusing on the right here, right now. Along with that, it's also responsible for like our logic and reasoning. So if someone were to ask you a question right now, it would be your conscious mind that would be generating the answer. If you needed to make a decision right now, like, for example, um, going and grabbing something out of the fridge to eat, it would be your conscious mind that's kind of making that decision for you. And so as we're kind of going about our business, it's using like logic and reasoning to kind of work out what we need to do. So it's kind of like the analytical part of our brain. 
And so it's also believed that our conscious mind has about 10% influence over us. So the conscious mind is like responsible for about 10% of our brain power, essentially. And so we can kind of think of this part of our mind as almost like the pilot of our minds. It's calling the shots for the most part on the day-to-day, again, on like a very surface level. It's driving the ship and it is navigating us through like our external environment. And so it's also what connects our external environment to our internal environment. So our internal world, our inner mind. So the conscious mind is pretty cool in its own kind of realm. Like it definitely obviously serves a purpose. Um, But the other 90% of our mind is our subconscious and unconscious mind. So 50% and 40% respectively. So with that in mind, our subconscious and unconscious minds are really holding like the most power, like they're responsible for 90% of our minds, our brain power. Our conscious mind is only 10%. So again, tip of the iceberg. So before we go deep into kind of talking about the subconscious and unconscious mind, I do just want to give, I guess, a little bit of a summary or definition of what the difference is between the two, because I feel like they can be a little bit confusing because they are kind of similar and they even sound kind of similar, like subconscious, unconscious. So I think before we go any further, I just want to kind of give a summary, I guess, of what the difference actually is there so that when we're talking more about them, it's a bit easier to kind of differentiate. So the subconscious mind deals with things that we may not be consciously aware of, but if we think about them, we can bring awareness to them. So we can kind of bring them into consciousness if we need to or want to. So a really good example that a lot of people use to kind of explain the subconscious mind is our ability to drive a car. So for those of you who do drive, I know not everyone drives, but for those of you who do, you will know that you can kind of drive your car without really consciously thinking about what you're doing. So when you hop in the car, you're not necessarily in your mind being like, grab keys, keys in ignition, turn car on, put car in drive, handbrake off. Like, yeah, that's not how it works. Like you kind of just get in and you go into autopilot mode and you just know what you need to be doing and you don't necessarily need to be thinking about it. But as much as we do go into this kind of autopilot mode when we're driving, if we wanted to kind of zone in and consciously be paying attention to what we're doing, we would be able to do this. So other examples would be like childhood memories. So if we think back, we can remember them and bring awareness to them, but we may not necessarily just like always have them in our conscious aware mind like it's not like we're constantly thinking about these memories but if we need to think about them we can it's kind of like the backstage of our minds and if we need to bring things out into center stage we can the unconscious mind however is similar to the subconscious mind in terms of what it kind of holds however it's stuff that we are not conscious of and cannot really become conscious of So it holds all of the past events and memories and experiences that we don't have any awareness around. 
So the best example for this would be stuff that happened when you were really, really young, like a toddler or even younger. So there was a portion of your life when you were like a baby toddler where you were experiencing things and absorbing information and feelings and knowledge in your own way because <laughs> babies obviously absorb things differently to how we do now but you still would have been absorbing information and experiences in the world and you can't as an adult necessarily remember those things or access those things but they're still within you they're in your unconscious mind and so another good example of what we might have stored in our unconscious mind would be like the origin of our fears and phobias so say, for example, someone has a phobia, but they really don't know where it's come from. Like it's not something that's developed later in life. It's just something they've always had. These are things that like you may be aware of occurring. Like obviously you're going to be aware that you have the phobia, but if it's not something that came on later in life, then there's a good chance you're not going to necessarily know why you have that phobia or what the root cause of it is. So for me personally, I actually have a phobia of like the wind, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous and it's not as bad now in adulthood, but as a child, I was deathly afraid of like wind. So like windy days, if there was like a breeze, I did not like it. I didn't like the concept of things being able to blow away. I hated balloons for a really long time as a child, but that was associated with the wind phobia because I didn't like them because they could blow away so easily in the wind. I wasn't a massive fan of like pool toys and stuff like blow up pool toys. I used to like run out the back to the pool and grab all of the pool toys and bring them inside if it was starting to get windy. Like I hated stuff that could blow away being outside in the wind, <laughs> which I know sounds ridiculous, but I guess that's literally what a phobia is. It's like an irrational fear. And so that was really bad for me as a child. Like it was a genuine, genuine fear. Like I remember it consuming a good chunk of my childhood. Like I didn't like having windows open, didn't like being able to hear the wind. I hated if we were having like an event or something and it was windy. I just hated it. Like it genuinely scared me. And even now as an adult, like as I've gotten older, obviously, my more logical mind has kicked in and I can kind of rationalize that like a slight breeze isn't going to hurt anybody. <laughs> like if I'm outside and there's like a breeze picking up, I am not particularly bothered by it. But if it is a particularly windy day or even still if there's like an event on, like if I were to be throwing a party and a breeze started to pick up and it was starting to get windy, I still wouldn't like it like it's not necessarily a full-blown fear response anymore but it does bring up some anxiety for me like it's just an odd phobia that I have and so even though I've been aware that I have that phobia like as a child I was obviously very aware of my feelings towards the wind and as an adult even I know that that's still still within me like I still do hold on to elements of that phobia and the wind it triggers me a little bit so I'm very aware of the phobia being there and of what it feels like but I could not for the life of me tell you where that phobia has come from or what triggered that within me but I'm sure there is a reason for me having that phobia but it is likely buried in my unconscious mind which I can't really access. 
it's not like my subconscious mind where if I really wanted to bring awareness to it, I could. Like, it's buried deep within and I... And so we all have that within us. Like it might not necessarily be a phobia or present as a phobia, but we all have stuff stored in our unconscious mind that we're not even aware that we're carrying. No matter how hard you try, there are things that you've experienced that you have no conscious memory of. But those things are still stored deep down in your unconscious mind. And despite us not really being aware of them, they do still have an influence on our thoughts and behaviours. So the subconscious mind is kind of where things get stored that we may not be using every second of every day or that we may not need to be thinking about. It's stuff that isn't necessarily like in focus, but we can bring our awareness and our focus to these things when we want to. And the unconscious mind, on the other hand, is where things that we don't have any awareness around are stored and we don't have any access to these like we can't just bring our focus to them they're buried deep deep within us in saying that however I do just want to add in quickly that while we can't like readily and consciously easily access our unconscious mind there are things that will occasionally kind of bubble up from here and present in our consciousness so dreams are a really good example. So Sigmund Freud believed that dreams were kind of reflective of what was going on within our unconscious, or some dreams anyway, obviously not every dream. And also slips of the tongue. So occasionally when people say things without thinking, that's what people refer to as like a Freudian slip. And so that's why, because Sigmund Freud believed that when we would have little like slips of the tongues or things would kind of come out without us even really thinking about them, he believed this was actually like insight into, again, what was going on in our unconscious mind. So an example of a relatively common Freudian slip is someone saying their ex-partner's name when referring to a current partner. So obviously this could just be like, uh, again, slip of the tongue, like that might not be anything behind it. But Freud believed that when this kind of stuff happens it is actually like the intrusion of our unconscious mind into our conscious mind. So he believed that there was like a bit more weight behind stuff like that, like little slips of the tongue. So while it might not be something we can actively choose to access whenever we want to, it doesn't necessarily mean that occasionally things from our unconscious mind won't present in things we say or do or dream of and so one of the methods that Freud used to use to try to access the unconscious mind was dream analysis and what he referred to as free association which is apparently just like sharing and making note of completely random thoughts that come into your brain to try to bring light to the unconscious level of our minds which, I mean, does make sense. Like, I guess that's why there's so many dream interpretation kind of books and stuff out there because it's believed that our dreams are really like a window into our unconscious mind as well as our subconscious mind as well. So just to summarise quickly again, we have our conscious mind, which is our present thinking brain, the subconscious mind, which is what we've kind of stored and aren't necessarily paying attention to all the time, but it's there for us to access if we need it. 
And the unconscious mind is what we're not at all aware of or able to access. So because the conscious mind is very surface level and the unconscious mind is too deep for us to really access, that's why the subconscious mind is where the magic really happens because this is kind of a sweet spot in the middle where it's not so deep that we can't access it. Like we still have access to our subconscious minds, but it still holds a lot of the stuff that can really influence how we're perceiving the world. And that's really the main difference between the subconscious and unconscious mind. The subconscious mind is still somewhat readily accessible. Like sometimes it can take a little bit of work to access it, but it's still there for us to access. So the unconscious mind is still important to be aware of, but given that we don't really have any awareness of the things that we're holding within there, we can't really go inward and introspect on this area of our mind. It's there, but if it's not in our awareness, we can't really do much to work with this part of our brain. Our subconscious mind, however, is available for introspection. So this is the part of our brain that we can work with and the part of the brain that is really essential for reprogramming our beliefs and our mindset and our attitudes. So a little bit more about the subconscious mind. So as I've kind of mentioned, that's where a lot of the good stuff is held. So <laughs> it holds on to our beliefs, our values, our instincts, our habits, our memories, as well as things like our imagination, our creativity and our intuition. So some examples of what our subconscious mind might be responsible for in terms of things that are showing up in our conscious life include our beliefs and thought patterns, whether they're positive or negative, our behaviours and also our reactions to things, so how we react to the things that are happening to us, our feelings and our emotions, our inner child, so our childhood memories, behaviours and experience, our interactions in our relationships, so including any difficulties you may be facing in your relationships, our attitudes about ourselves, about others and the world around us, our impressions and perceptions of others as well as ourselves, stereotypes, so the kind of pre-existing beliefs we have about people, our past experiences and memories that obviously influence literally all of the above things, our perception of self, so our self-image, our self-esteem, our intuition, as I mentioned earlier, so this is really based around all of the knowledge and experiences that we hold within our subconscious. And so our subconscious is also where we hold things like anxiety and where we store trauma. So when we experience something traumatic, it's stored in our subconscious and that can then also obviously have an impact on our beliefs, behaviours, attitudes, patterns, reactions, all of that kind of stuff. So these are just a few examples of the kind of things that are stored in our subconscious minds and these things are accrued throughout our whole lives. So when we're born into the world, we're really starting with like a blank canvas and then every single one of your experiences from birth and honestly even prior to birth because we can also be absorbing things even in the womb. It's on like a more bodily level, but um, that's the thing too. So everything you're experiencing from conception onwards starts to shape your subconscious mind. 
and in turn your way of thinking, your beliefs and your attitudes. So as we grow up and we go through childhood and we go through, you know, adolescence, our teenage years, we're absorbing information, watching movies, watching TV, consuming content, learning from the people around us, our parents, our family, our friendships, relationships. We're constantly absorbing information and experiences and these are all stored in our subconscious or, as we discussed earlier, sometimes our unconscious depending on what the memory is and how early that experience was from so sometimes these things will go into our unconscious but for the most part a lot of this stuff is stored in our subconscious and so I'm sure we're all familiar with the phrase children are like sponges that's thrown around a lot in terms of children kind of learning and absorbing information and that is obviously really really true so a lot of what we store in our subconscious mind is shaped from our childhood so our formative years The things that we're taught and the things that we learn off others in the first few years of our lives shape so much of our subconscious mind and we carry that with us throughout our entire lives. It's actually said that 95% of the programming of our subconscious mind happens in our first seven years of life and so much of the rest of our lives, if not almost all of the rest of our lives, is determined by this. Like when we think back to The things I listed off before that the subconscious is responsible for, like your relationship interactions, your perception of yourself, your perception of others, your stereotypes, your beliefs, your attitudes, 95% of that is established when you're a child. Like, that's insane to think about, really. Um, Another podcast I listened to called Manifestation Babe, I think it was on that podcast anyway, Um, Catherine, the host of that podcast, has spoken before about the subconscious mind and one of the things she will often talk about is that we're basically, as adults, being kind of piloted by the child version of us. So our subconscious mind is obviously controlling like most of what we're doing in the world and 95% of that is child us. So (laughs) imagine that in your life, going about your business, everything that you experience, all of your relationships, your friendships, all of that stuff, that's basically the child version of you within your mind steering the ship and perceiving everything you're experiencing. Like, that's so crazy to think about. And that's why, obviously, it's so, so important that when we have kids and when we're interacting with children in any capacity, that we're doing so with that in mind I guess like that's why it's so important to make sure children are being raised in good environments and that those formative years are setting them up for like success and positive mindsets as opposed to setting them up for failure and so it's also obviously why when we're looking into why people act the way they do or why certain people do the things that they do in adulthood we will look back to their childhood and what went on in those formative years and what they experienced because that has formed 95% of their mindset as an adult. And so I really quickly just want to touch on as well on that note about how the things in our subconscious, even though they are things that we can kind of bring awareness to and bring into consciousness, they may not necessarily just be right there and effortless to kind of remember or think about. So they can be kind of buried deeper too. 
not as deep as the unconscious stuff, obviously, but sometimes it can take a bit to dig things up out of our subconscious mind as well. Like when you think about how much stuff you have stored in there, it makes sense that it can take a little bit of time to sometimes unpack things and actually reveal what is in there. So just a quick little example tangent for a second. (laughs) So for example, let's say that somebody has said something to you as a child. So let's say you're like eight years old and somebody has made a comment to you. So that thing then gets absorbed by you and stored in your subconscious. And it may not be something that's brought to your awareness for 15 years. So you might go 15 years without even thinking about this thing. You don't even really know that it's there. To make the example a little bit more specific, let's just say the thing that was said to you was that it's greedy for you to want things for yourself. So let's just say as a child, you've asked for like a toy or something and one of your parents has just been like, no, like you're being greedy. You don't need that thing. It's greedy for you to want that toy. And so that's just a very basic example and something that Honestly, we probably have all experienced in our childhoods. Like I definitely had my parents say no to me, obviously, for things. So that in itself isn't inherently a bad thing to say. But yeah, we'll keep going with the example just to kind of show how that can then impact us in adulthood, even if it's just a little comment that was made when we were a child that didn't actually have any weight or negativity behind it. Like, that's a completely reasonable thing to say, really. Maybe not the greedy part, but, you know, if a child is asking for a toy, it's not unreasonable to be like, look, no, you're not getting that toy today. But yeah, so let's say you're at the shops with your parent, you've asked for a toy, and they've turned around to you, they're flustered, it's busy, it's Christmas time, it's crazy, they're in a mood, and they've turned around and been like, no, you're being greedy, you're not getting that toy, you've already gotten a toy, you're not getting another toy. Child you might take that, and absorb it and because you're a child and you're not kind of being rational or logical or thinking about things the way that we do now as adults you might take that and store that in your mind as it's greedy for me to want things and so at the time you're not necessarily thinking too much of it like it's not like you're like oh like my parent just said that to me and now I'm going to believe that it's greedy for me to want things like you're not thinking that as a child But if that comment sticks with you and that's kind of what you've subconsciously taken from that comment and that's stuck with you, it will have made its way into your subconscious mind and it will be stored there. Even if you're not aware of it, it will be stored within you. So let's say 15 years pass, as we said, so you're like, I don't know how old, in your 20s now. (laughs) And it's been, yeah, 15 years, and even though you might not have ever even really brought that particular experience into your consciousness, like you've not necessarily really thought about it too much, it's just something that happened, it's still stored in your mind, though. And that belief that's come with that experience is still stored in your mind. And so this may be presenting, for example, as you, as an adult, harboring this belief that it's greedy for you to want things for yourself. So that one little comment as a child has now wormed its way into your brain and you might then be holding on to the belief that because you asked for that toy and you got told it was greedy for you to be asking for that toy, you've now associated that with it's greedy for you to want pretty much anything for yourself. Like wanting things for yourself is greedy. And so as a result of that, that kind of manifests other issues in itself. So 
you may be struggling in adulthood with kind of pursuing your desires and receiving the things that you want. So it may show up in your day-to-day life as you never really putting your needs first, not wanting to spend money on yourself or buy yourself nice things, self-sabotaging and not really being open to receiving even from others. Like, you know, when people want to buy you something or give you a gift, being very like, oh my God, no, you shouldn't have like, no, 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 you genuinely like don't don't do it. (laughs) So it may be showing up in all of these kind of little ways that don't necessarily seem like a big deal. But obviously, when we're trying to manifest our desires and create the perfect reality for us, we don't want to be subconsciously thinking that we're not deserving or that we shouldn't have those things or that it's greedy for us to have those things. Like that's obviously going to be counterproductive. And also just not necessary, like everyone deserves to have nice things, everyone deserves to be able to receive. So yes, you've got this belief, it's manifested in adulthood, you may not really be aware of it, like you're likely not going to be like, oh yeah, no, like I don't feel like I deserve this gift because of that one comment that was made to me back when I was seven years old or whatever it was, but that belief is there in your subconscious. And so let's say that you decide to go through the process of trying to work on your beliefs around wanting the things you want. Like you've found that this is blocking you. You've brought awareness to the fact that you have this underlying belief that it's greedy for you to want nice things. And you want to start unpacking that belief and really working on it and reprogramming it. And so part of this would kind of be reflecting on where that belief might have come from. So you start to really think back to times in your life that you felt might have potentially helped shape that belief or might have contributed to the belief. Um, And after some introspection, you eventually remember that that comment was made to you like 15 years ago. So it might take some time to get to it or to make the connection or to remember But eventually after doing that introspection and really thinking back to like your childhood and what your parents used to say to you and instances where you maybe were told that it was a negative thing for you to want or desire things or to receive things that you want. So you're looking back on all of this and eventually you remember that specific memory and you have like a little light bulb moment and it's like, oh, like there was quite a few instances when I was a child where I feel like my parents did instill in me the belief that it was greedy for me to want things. And again, that's not to say that it's like there would have been malice behind that comment. I know this is just an example anyway, like it didn't actually happen. But um, yeah, that's not to say that that comment that was made by the parent was like an awful thing to say or anything like that. Like obviously children need to be told no on occasion. It's just an example of how something very minute that happened in our childhood that might not have had a lot of weight behind it at all can still make its way into our subconscious as a certain belief and really stick with us. And so if that kind of stuff can happen from just little comments like that, then I'm sure you can imagine how much of an impact like genuinely traumatic experiences as a child can have like abuse or anything like that, like that can obviously be so, so, so damaging. Even just a small offhanded comment made to a child can be damaging. So 
But yeah, these are the kind of things that shape our subconscious. So it doesn't necessarily need to be major events as a child. It's just all the little contributing, tiny little building bricks that you've experienced that then shape your subconscious mind. And obviously the things that we experience are perceived differently by every single individual. So going back to that example, like a different child could have had that exact same experience, but that might not have become a fundamental belief for them for whatever reason. Like we don't necessarily know, I guess, why certain things become subconscious beliefs and while other things might not, like it's just completely up to the individual's perception and what they have taken from the experiences. But yeah, again, just an example of how things that are absorbed into our subconscious while still accessible may take some time and effort to access. Like it's not necessarily just at the forefront of your mind all the time. Being in your subconscious as opposed to your unconscious doesn't mean that accessing them is just going to be completely easy peasy. And this is also a really good summary of understanding the timeline, I guess, of something happening and then it transitioning to like being stored in your subconscious and then transitioning to the influence it might have on your beliefs and experiences and attitudes and then the transition into like bringing awareness to it and bringing awareness to what the cause of that is. And so in our example, the next step, of course, would then be healing this and reprogramming that belief and letting go of the belief that it's greedy to want things for yourself. So that's kind of the next step, and that is reprogramming the subconscious to not be holding that belief, which is something that we can do. And I'm sorry in advance, I feel like this is going to be definitely one of the longest episodes I've done (laughs) just looking at the time now so yeah but again just really love talking about this kind of stuff so anyway we'll keep pushing forward so the things in your subconscious mind are all things that are kind of always going on in the background of your day-to-day life even if you're not consciously aware of them and It's always there kind of operating and running in the background, similar to like breathing or our hearts beating. Like we don't necessarily consciously think of these things, but they're there, they're operating. And if we need to bring awareness to them, we can. So given all of this, it's no surprise how much of an influence our subconscious minds have on our everyday experiences, our lives, our realities as a whole, literally just everything that we're experiencing. As much as our conscious mind is what's kind of processing what's happening in any given moment, our subconscious is really running the show from behind the scenes. So we're experiencing life through the lens of our subconscious mind and through the lens of our beliefs and attitudes and experiences and memories and intuition and instincts and all of that stuff. And so not only are those things kind of dictating what's going on in the present moment through our past experiences and the beliefs that we've developed as a result of these, we're also then projecting into what we think the future will look like as well. So it's not even just the present that's influenced by our subconscious, it's the future as well. And so when I talk about subconscious reprogramming and using our subconscious when it comes to energetics and manifestation, 
what we're really talking about is training our subconscious and all of the things I just listed earlier that our subconscious is responsible for to really work in our favor when it comes to experiencing the present as well as projecting the future. Because the cool thing about the subconscious is that it's actually really impressionable. And this, of course, can definitely be a downside at times, like a disadvantage, because that obviously means that when we are experiencing not so great things, they can have a pretty big impact on our subconscious minds, even as adults. So if we have a negative experience, that can really have an impact on our attitudes and our beliefs and our reactions, all of that stuff. But on the other hand, it also means that we can take control of this part of our minds and really work on rewiring our mindsets. What is in your subconscious mind isn't set in stone. As much as we talked earlier about how much our childhood has to do with our subconscious patterns and like 95% of our subconscious mind, these patterns and thoughts and beliefs can be changed. They're not set in stone. It is absolutely possible to do the work and to reprogram your mind and to work on the beliefs and thoughts and subconscious programming that is holding you back or having a negative impact on you in any way. It does take time, but it can be done. And so I mentioned in a previous episode that I've actually been doing like a trauma-informed coaching course, which has been really interesting. But one of the quotes that they've mentioned in the course a few times is a quote from Carl Jung. And the quote is, until we make the unconscious conscious, it will direct our lives and we will call it fate. And so obviously in that quote, it says the unconscious conscious, but I feel like it's synonymous with like the subconscious conscious. So until we make the subconscious conscious, it will direct our lives and we will call it fate. And so another really cool thing about the subconscious and our minds in general, really, is that our minds cannot tell the difference between real or imagined situations. So, for example, this is why somebody who has anxiety can experience a very real stress response based on imagined situations. Because if we're imagining a stressful situation or imagining a threat our bodies will still produce the stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline, and we will still kick into like threat survival mode. Our bodies cannot differentiate between what is really happening and what is imagined. Another example of this is the reaction that we sometimes have to dreams. So you might find that you've dreamt of something before and you'll have like a bodily response to the dream. So, for example, a nightmare may induce, like, sweating, heart racing. You might wake up and you're, like, genuinely panicked within your body. But it's literally just from a dream that you've had. Because our brains and our bodies cannot tell the difference between what's really happening and what's just happening in our minds. And that is the power of our minds. So, with that being said, what we're perceiving and believing in our minds, of course, then has a massive, massive effect on us and our experience of day-to-day life. So, if our brains and bodies can't tell the difference between what's real or what's imagined, think about the impact that your thoughts and imagination and the things literally just going on in your mind will be having on your body and your day-to-day life. 
If we're having negative thoughts, our brain cannot tell the difference between them being real or not real. And it ends up kind of being like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So let's say, for example, that you apply for a job and once you've applied, you immediately spiral into doubt and negative thinking and looking to the worst case scenarios. So your subconscious mind will be absorbing all of that and it doesn't have the ability to be like, oh, this isn't actually happening though. These are just thoughts that I'm having. And instead, it will just take it on board and your mind and body are going to be essentially reacting as if this is actually happening. So as if these negative thoughts and worst case scenarios are actually the case. Your mood will drop, your motivation levels will drop, and you'll literally just be in a low vibe state as a result, which as we know from previous episodes can then reflect and influence our outer world and our outer reality and manifest this into our reality. On the other hand, if you were to apply for the job and have a really positive mindset and visualize yourself getting the job and visualize the best case scenario and truly believe that the job is already yours, your brain will take this as being the case, your subconscious will absorb this, and again, as within, so without, your reality will begin to reflect your inner world. And so this is also the reason that a lot of the work done around rewiring the subconscious is rooted in the idea of essentially creating like this new reality. A lot of the techniques that you use are strategies that are very heavily based around basically just envisioning and instilling new thoughts and beliefs into our subconscious. So examples of this are like affirmations, subliminal kind of audio tracks, visualization, all of that kind of stuff. They all kind of focus on instilling a new belief or a new thought or a new visual into our brains. And so on that note, the last little part of this episode that I want to talk about is how we actually start working with our subconscious mind. So we've talked a lot about what the subconscious mind is, how it works, examples of like what we might be holding in our subconscious mind. But now I just want to talk a little bit about what the kind of next steps are, like what you can actually do with that information. And so the first step to like subconscious reprogramming, as always, and pretty much everything we talk about is awareness. So we need to start becoming aware of what is going in in our subconscious. So we need to become aware of our negative thought patterns, of our attitudes, our beliefs, what we are storing away in the subconscious mind. And so we can do this by noticing when these things are coming up for us, acknowledging them and being able to kind of look at them critically. And second to this, reflecting on where these might be coming from. Because there is always a cause for what is happening in our subconscious. We aren't just born with our subconscious mind already filled with certain ideas and beliefs. Those things are established throughout our lives and there's a cause behind the things that we're holding within there. So we want to start becoming aware of these things when they surface. So when we have a really negative thought or negative self-talk or you know, we're jumping to like worst case scenarios or we have a certain belief come up, we want to be acknowledging that and being like, oh, okay, um, I am bringing awareness to this thought. Like I am acknowledging right now that this thought is coming from my subconscious and I'm going to dig a little deeper to kind of unpack where that may actually be coming from because I know that that's not actually 
true. Like, say, for example, you start to notice that you're having negative thoughts around money. Like, whenever you think about money, you're like, oh my god, I'm so broke or I'm so poor or there's never enough money. You will want to be bringing awareness to those thoughts and being like, okay, I'm acknowledging that I'm having these thoughts and I'm also acknowledging that they are stemming from my subconscious and that they are not true. That's just my programming that I have going on and I'm going to look deeper into why that is my programming, like why those thoughts are occurring, where they've come from, and I'm going to start rewiring my brain to not be thinking like that. Oh my god, I'm so sorry for croaky throat. I'm doing like a particularly long episode on a day where my voice is just not having the best time was probably not the best idea. But it's all good, we're nearly at the end, so I'm going to power through. So I want to kind of just talk about some of the techniques that I personally really like using for doing this kind of work. So obviously there's like a lot of methods and things you can be doing out there, but for this episode I'm just going to be talking about the things that I've personally used and do use and have found effective. And so one of the first techniques I want to talk about is journaling and also meditation particularly in relation to what we were just talking about, about bringing awareness and kind of initially unpacking those thoughts. So I feel like these are kind of some of the first step techniques I would recommend using. So journaling or meditation can both be used in a similar kind of way. So basically just to go within and reflect on what's going on within. So introspection. So when you start to notice that you have negative patterns coming up or negative beliefs coming up, start really paying attention to to them. So start paying attention to what is actually coming up, journal on them and start asking yourself why. And so you can do this in a meditation as well. I personally probably would prefer journaling for this particular exercise, but you want to start asking yourself why. And asking why is a really powerful exercise around kind of uncovering what's going on in the subconscious. And when I say asking yourself why, I don't mean just being like, oh, why am I having this thought? You want to keep asking yourself why until you start to get a bit deeper and deeper into the root cause of what you are experiencing and see what really comes up for you. So for example, if we go back to the Applying for a job example. So let's say you've applied for the job and you're experiencing the icky kind of negative thinking and doubt and negative thoughts. Let's say one of the main beliefs you're finding coming up for you is that you don't think you'll get the job because you don't feel like you deserve the job. Let's just say that's kind of the blanket belief that's coming up for you. Whenever you think about it, you're like, I'm not going to get it. Like, I am not good enough for that. I don't really deserve the job. Like, there's people more deserving out there. You want to ask yourself why you feel like you don't deserve it and then see what comes up for you. So you're starting kind of surface level. In your journal, you're writing out why you feel like you don't deserve the job and just see what you find coming up. For example, you might have it come up that you don't feel like you deserve the job because you don't feel like you're skilled enough in your area of work. Ask yourself why you feel like you're not skilled enough and you might have something like... I don't feel like I'm as good as my peers and co-workers and when I see other people's work it makes me feel bad about my own. That might then come up for you. 
again, you're going to ask yourself why you don't feel like you're as good as your peers and what is making you compare yourself to them in the first place. You might then have something come up about feeling like you always need to be comparing and in competition with those around you to validate your own journey. So the reason why you're comparing and feeling like you're not good enough is because you've always had to do that to validate yourself. Ask yourself why again. Why do you feel like you need to compare yourself for validation? You might then have something come up about growing up, you always had pressure put on you to be the best at whatever it was that you were doing and validation for you as a child came from comparison to others and how they were doing and then again you ask yourself why like why was this the case why were you being validated through comparison and the thing you might have come up is that your parents put a lot of pressure on you to perform to a certain standard and then again you want to ask why why did this pressure be put on me why were my parents like that the thing that might come up then is because they might have had a similar pressure put on them like you know that Your grandparents were very similar to them, so that's kind of carried on like a cycle through their childhood as well, and so on and so forth. So you basically just want to keep asking why, 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 until you get as deep as you can possibly go. So until you get deep enough that you kind of are getting answers for why beliefs and thoughts and attitudes that you have are the way they are. Just keep asking yourself why. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be going deeper and bringing awareness to the shadows in our subconscious that are holding us back. So bringing awareness to the reasons that we're feeling certain ways or thinking certain ways. And again, as I mentioned, that could be done in a meditation as well. Like if you were to do a meditation and really sit and just go within with your thoughts and beliefs, you could do this too. Just keep asking yourself why seeing what comes up for you, asking yourself why, seeing what comes up, asking yourself why, seeing what comes up. And so in some cases, you might find that you're really surprised at what comes up. Like it might be stuff that you're storing that you just really genuinely weren't aware you were storing at all. Or it might be stuff that you're a bit more aware of. Like you might be like, oh yeah, like, of course that makes sense. Like, Yeah, it can go either direction, but the key is really going that little bit deeper and looking at the reasons why we're feeling the way we're feeling. And so the example I just gave kind of was focused around like childhood stuff as well, but it doesn't necessarily need to be this like deep childhood stuff that goes back years and years. Like it might be something that's happened more recently. An example of this would be like if you're struggling with body image and self-esteem and that's something that's holding you back in life, but maybe it's something that isn't rooted in your childhood. Like maybe that's something that you have started to develop as you've gotten older and as you've gone through like your teenage years into like young adulthood, the same thing applies. Maybe you aren't acknowledging it, but perhaps it's comments that were made to you by like a first boyfriend you had five years ago that have stuck with you or maybe it's something even more recent like maybe a more recent partner has instilled certain thoughts into you that you're now dealing with the repercussions of it doesn't have to be a really deep long ago childhood experience that can be influencing our subconscious as much as that has a big influence over our subconscious things that happen later in life can have a really big influence as well I know for me on the topic of like self-esteem and body issues, I had a lot of self-esteem and trust issues to work on 
after my last relationship. So it did a lot of damage to my mindset and the way that I perceived myself and the way that I perceived others as well. My ability to trust others, particularly in like a romantic capacity, I really slipped into just thinking that like all men can't be trusted and all men are awful and all men have like ulterior motives and none of them are honest or good people, which obviously is not the case at all. And I worked through that, but the first step to me working through all of that was really acknowledging where it was actually coming from. So being aware that the beliefs that I were holding and that I had weren't true, but were actually a result of the experience I went through in that particular relationship. And so once we've done this part of the kind of process, like once we've started becoming aware of where the beliefs are coming from, what's causing them. The next step is then working on rewiring our minds to what we want our beliefs to be. So we want to be acknowledging those old beliefs and then bringing in new beliefs. Out of the old, in with the new. It's kind of like a two-part situation. I mean, there's more to it than that as well, but you can kind of look at it as like one part is like bringing that awareness to the old beliefs and actually becoming aware of them. And the second part is not just being aware of them and not just being like, oh yeah, I have that belief that's there, but actually getting rid of the belief, rewiring your brain and bringing in new beliefs that serve you better. And so I do just also want to mention that it's not always possible to know exactly where our beliefs or thoughts or attitudes have come from. Like, again, we do have our unconscious mind as well, which holds a lot of stuff that we can't always bring awareness to. So it's not always possible for us to be like, oh, yeah, like I have this belief and I know that this is where it has come from. But it still is possible to rewire your mindset without knowing the root cause of your mindset in the first place. So I do believe it's easier. Like for me personally, it's definitely been much easier to do this knowing where my beliefs have stemmed from because it really gives you the ability to actually disprove and put a stop to those beliefs and that mindset. If you can acknowledge a negative thought and be like, no, I know that's not true and I know that that's just coming from xyz experience and is a result of that and not something that is actually true it does make it a lot easier to then rewire your thoughts into something more positive when you're able to do this but it's not like absolutely essential be all and end all you can still rewire your mindset without having that background knowledge on where your mindset has actually come from And so we mentioned before that a lot of the techniques used to rewire the subconscious or a lot of my favorite techniques anyway, are rooted in basically feeding our minds the new version of our thoughts or reality that we want to be experiencing and holding. And so I mentioned affirmations, subliminals, visualization, Um, scripting is another favorite of mine too, which kind of goes hand in hand with visualization. So these are just a few of my personal favourites and some of the main ones I know other people use a lot too. But of course, like I said earlier, there's many others out there as well that you might find more effective. And before I go further into the techniques I like to use, I do also just want to really quickly touch on 
brainwaves, essentially. <laughs> so beta, alpha, theta, delta brainwaves. I hope I said them right. So I won't go kind of too deep into this. The reason why, sorry, it's relevant is because different states of our brains have different brainwaves, like electrical power going on in them, and we can actually access certain parts of our brain easier when we're in certain states and when we're like emitting certain brainwaves. So <laughs> again, not going to go too deep into it. It is a little bit too sciencey for me to really grasp like the super specifics. So this will just be a very like simplified explanation of this. But yeah, essentially for the sake of understanding what we're talking about today, all you need to know is that our brains emit waves related to our brain functions. So my understanding is that the waves are always kind of happening in all parts of the brain, but you'll be emitting more of certain waves based on whether you're sleeping or awake or yeah, what you're kind of doing. So we have gamma and beta waves that occur when we're conscious Alpha brainwaves occur when we're in a relaxed state and theta brainwaves occur when we're in a deep meditative state or at the first stages of sleep. So when you're falling asleep but not necessarily like fully asleep yet, that's when theta brainwaves are occurring and delta brainwaves are the last ones and they occur when we're in a deep sleep. So when we're in a theta brainwave state, that's when we can most easily tap into our subconscious and that's when we're most kind of connected to this side of us. So when we meditate, for example, that's essentially what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to achieve a theta state. So when doing any of the things that we're about to go over, it's obviously not absolutely essential, but it can be really beneficial to do them when you're in a theta state. So we're often in like a theta brainwave state in the mornings when we first wake up. Or as I just mentioned, we can also kind of put ourselves into this state by meditating. So if you're about to do like a visualization exercise or scripting, it can be really helpful to do like a quick meditation beforehand to get yourself into the theta zone so that you're directly accessing your subconscious mind. So yeah, just a quick little insight into that information as well, because I feel like it's helpful to know. So affirmations and subliminals are a technique I really like to work with or a method I really like to work with. I will quite often have affirmations written out on little pieces of paper. I'll sometimes stick them to like my mirror in my bedroom, although I feel like I haven't done that one for a while, but that is one I used to do a lot. Recently, I had a particular affirmation associated with something I was trying to manifest at work written out on a piece of paper and stuck on my dashboard at work so that I was looking at it really regularly throughout the day. Um, so that's one way I really like to use them or I'll often just kind of say them to myself throughout the day whenever I remember to or whenever I can. And for those who may not be super familiar with what affirmations actually are... They're basically just like positive statements um, that are often or pretty much always written in present tense that are reflective of what we're wanting or desiring. So, for example, an affirmation might be, I have the job of my dreams. And so, again, it's written in present tense. So it's always like, I am or I have statements. Another one might be, I am radiant inside and out. Because the idea is that when we're saying these affirmations, we want to be instilling 
the belief within us that they've already happened or that they are the case, that they're our reality. So, yeah, we always want them to be like, I am, I have, I get, um, just very present statements as opposed to, like, future statements. Like, the job one might be like, I will get the job of my dreams, which still kind of works in a sense, I guess, but the idea is that we want them to be present tense so that we're bringing them into our present reality as opposed to, like, putting them in the future because if you're like, I will get the job of my dreams you're not calling that into your now. You're kind of just saying at some point in the future you will get the job of your dreams. And that's not what we want. We want to be calling that stuff in now. So affirmations for me are definitely more of a kind of casual through the day technique. They don't necessarily require like time set aside for them. I'll just kind of say them when I can, when I think of them. Um, I'll write them down and have them around so I can look at them as I mentioned. And having them actually written down so you can see them throughout your day but aren't necessarily fully focusing on them can also be a really great strategy too because as we kind of discussed, your subconscious is the stuff that can be brought to your awareness but is out of focus. So having things around that you're kind of seeing but not necessarily fully focusing on um, is a great way to kind of tap into that subconscious mind because you're seeing it, you're absorbing it, and you're just kind of storing it away. It's not something you're necessarily like sitting there reading to yourself in your conscious mind. So if you're going about your day, but every so often you read an affirmation you have written down, your subconscious will kind of begin to absorb this. And the key really to affirmations is repetition. So we want to be repeating them, repeating them out loud, seeing them every day, seeing them multiple times a day. It's not just like a one and done thing. We want them to be statements that we're repeatedly seeing or saying or thinking. I know that setting your phone background, like the wallpaper to be certain affirmations is another common one a lot of people do. I also personally have reminders set on my phone that go off every few hours that are affirmations. In saying that, I haven't found that one quite as effective for me just because I tend to not look too much at, like, the notifications um, for those reminders in particular. Like, I feel like the written paper ones around the house and at work and that kind of thing are more effective for me. I don't really know why, but my brain just kind of, like, actually pays a bit more attention to them. So, yeah, but I do have the phone reminder ones and... I mean, they are still handy to have and they will probably work better for some people than they do for me. Another way I like to use affirmations is pairing them with negative thoughts. So when I feel a negative belief or a negative thought come up, I will bring awareness to it. I'll stop the thought and I will replace it with an affirmation instead. So something positive instead. So when you do this enough, it starts to become really habitual and you start to kind of just automatically associate that negative thought with the affirmation. And that's really what we want. Like that's literally one of the ideal outcomes of like doing this kind of work is that you can have, have sorry, a negative thought, acknowledge and stop the thought and replace it with a positive thought instead. Like that is fantastic if you're able to do that. I feel like I never notice how creaky my chair is until I'm recording a podcast and you can just like hear it in the background when I make like the slightest movement. So apologies for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is affirmations. And so 
Subliminals are also similar to affirmations. I guess the difference really is that affirmations are a bit more of a like conscious aware thing, while subliminals are designed to be directly targeting straight through to your subconscious. So subliminals are essentially affirmations, but they're generally paired with music or kind of like hidden throughout music. The kinds that I like to use and that are commonly used in manifestation are like that anyway. So I don't do it as much now that I live with my partner because obviously being two of us, I don't want to be like distracting him when he's trying to go to sleep. But I did used to quite often fall asleep listening to subliminals on YouTube. So you can find subliminal videos that are focused on like certain areas and there's honestly like subliminals out there for everything like wealth, abundance, career stuff, relationship stuff, like self-love stuff. There's some really, really dreamy subliminal tracks that are available on YouTube that you can just pop on when you're going to sleep and it's kind of like lo-fi music kind of stuff with subliminals worked through it. And so the idea is that because if you're going to sleep or you're relaxing or you're meditating or whatever and listening to this, you're going into as we discussed before, like the theta brainwave state and whatever you're hearing is going straight through to your subconscious. So that's kind of the idea of how they work. So if you search on YouTube, like manifestation subliminals, or if there's a particular area you'd like to focus on, you can search for them and you will find a whole bunch of videos and channels that have like heaps of ones you can use. And so finally, another favorite technique of mine and probably like one of the most effective in my opinion is visualization or also scripting because I feel like they're similar concepts really. They go kind of hand in hand. Visualization is just obviously like visualizing, imagining, while scripting is kind of writing out the visualization. So basically the idea for both of these is to visualize and script out what you want to be calling into your life in as much detail as possible. So you're visualizing the new reality, you're writing out as much as you can about the new reality. So the more vividly you're able to kind of paint a picture of this, the more your subconscious will start to believe that it is actually your current reality. So ways in which we can kind of like vividly paint a picture would be focusing on like the senses, like the smells, the tastes, the feelings, the emotions, all of that kind of stuff. Like if we're scripting out, for example, a day in our absolute dream life, we don't just want to be like, oh, like I wake up and I get to make breakfast and then I work for myself. So I log on to my computer and I do some work and then I go to bed that night and I'm really happy and having a great time. Like we want to be really in depth. Like you want to be literally writing it out or visualizing it as if it is your reality and you are in that moment experiencing every single little detail. You want to be thinking about like what smells you can smell, what you're feeling on your skin, what emotions you're feeling, the lighting, the atmosphere, like just everything. And so these are really fun ones to do too, because you can basically just like run wild with these. And so they're really powerful to do every day if possible. I do try to at least practice visualization every day and I'll often do scripting on like special occasions. So for example, like a new moon or if I'm 
specifically trying to do like a manifestation ritual of some sort. That's when I'll kind of pull out the journal and do some scripting based stuff. Visualization I do try to do daily though and when we talk about visualization this can literally just be like daydreaming essentially. <laughs> like daydream about your desires as much as you possibly can. Put yourself into the daydream, visualize yourself experiencing all of the things you want to experience and just relish in that as much as you possibly can. And so this one is also really easy to do because you literally don't need anything to do it. You can do it whenever, wherever, for as long as you want. And as I mentioned before, doing this in a theta state, similar to like the other ones, is obviously like a more quote unquote effective way to be doing it and will likely get you like better or quicker results. But that's not essential. Like sometimes I'll literally just be at work and I'll be like daydreaming about the life I want to be living. Like you don't need to be meditating or falling asleep to do this but it can be like really beneficial to be in that state so if you are going to set aside time to do it it's really good to be doing it um yeah like when you're in a meditative state or like just before you go to bed or when you first wake up so vision boards are another really fun tool for visualization they're obviously really fun to put together because similar concepts like you can just kind of run wild and dream the biggest dream you possibly can. <laughs> I have a um a printed and framed vision board in my office and I also have like a vision board board on Pinterest and I did also for a very long time have a mini vision board saved as my phone screensaver just because you're looking at your phone so often so like that's like prime real estate like you can do a lot with your phone screensaver. So combining a bunch of these all together, one of my current favorite practices that I've been doing is what I call my pre-recorded like life manifesto. And so it's basically just a spoken recording that I made where throughout it, I give myself almost like a bit of a pep talk and I listen to this every morning on my drive to work. So it goes for about 10 to 15 minutes just because I knew that was like a good good amount of time for me to get in the car, put it on, listen to it and still have some time to kind of chill before I like get out of the car and start work for the day. And so in the manifesto, again, I kind of just give myself a bit of a pep talk, but I do also include in it like affirmations. So I start with affirmations for the day I go into my kind of little like motivation pep talk spiel. I also have like a minute or two in it where I just pause and allow myself to like express gratitude for things. So I literally like say in the recording, like I'm now going to express gratitude for all of the really beautiful things I have in my life and the things that I'm going to be calling into my life. And it just kind of pauses for like a minute or two. And in my mind while I'm driving to work, I go through all of the things that I'm grateful for. And then to finish the recording, I basically just talk myself through like a visualization of my future and my dream reality that I'm calling in. So it's just me kind of talking all about what my future life will look like, again, in as much detail as possible. So as I'm driving to work every morning, I do my affirmations, I practice gratitude, and then I literally do like a visualization all in the span of about 15 minutes. And this is one of my favorite ways to kind of incorporate these practices into my daily routine so that I'm not not doing it. 
So it can sometimes be hard to actually set aside time to do these kinds of things. Like I'm sure everyone knows how tricky it can be to really incorporate habits like that into your day-to-day life. So for me, incorporating them into my morning routine and making them really easy and accessible to remember helps me to ensure that I'm actually doing them. So even if it's only for like 10 to 15 minutes on my drive to work, to me, that's better than not doing them at all or like, you know, skipping a day or yeah, just forgetting to do it and lapsing and not making that a priority. So even though it's only short, I, for me, it's effective. It works. So same with the writing out affirmations and leaving them around in spots you'll see and having a vision board you can look at regularly. Like they're just ways to ensure that we are incorporating these things into our day-to-day life in a way that doesn't require an awful lot of effort. Like they're just kind of placed around for us so that we can look at them and they're always just there. We don't need to necessarily set aside time or remember to go and look at these things. And so the way I've recorded this particular like manifesto thing is very guided and it prompts me as well. So this makes it much easier for me to also just pop it on and go through the prompts every morning. So instead of having to sit down and kind of build up that motivation and go through that process first thing in the morning, I can just pop that recording on and it really like walks me through it. It's like a guided not meditation, but kind of like a guided visualization, affirmation, um, gratitude practice, which for me, again, it really, really works. So I get up for work really, really early, like 5am most mornings, and I leave for work at 6am. So at that time of day, I'm definitely still like half asleep and still kind of bordering on being in a theta state. So to be able to put something on that guides me through affirmations, gratitude and visualizations in 10 to 15 minutes is just the perfect way for me to start my day. And so that's the other thing too, when it comes to visualization and these practices, obviously the more you're doing it, the more effective it's going to be. But even if it's just a few minutes a day, that can make a massive difference. You don't need to be spending like hours a day or hours a week even dedicating time to doing these things like even just doing them for a few minutes a day can have a massive impact it's the same with gratitude practices even just setting aside like five minutes a day to go over what you're grateful for can do a world of difference so do what you can to incorporate these practices into your life as much as possible make them as easy as you can for yourself make them into a routine that will kind of stick with you and that you'll actually get around to doing like you don't need to put these unreasonable expectations on yourself to be waking up like 30 minutes early every day to be going over gratitude and visualization and all of those practices like I know for me personally I would really struggle with getting up any earlier than I already have to to do these things so for me being able to work them into part of my morning routine and just kind of multitasking like I'm driving to work while I'm doing it so I can still kind of focus on what's being said and visualizing and listening but I'm obviously still driving I'm not like laying down in a room with my eyes closed just focusing on that but yeah it doesn't need to be this big like hour a day that you set aside to do these kinds of things just remember that even a few minutes a day it can make a massive difference repetition is key consistency is key And fitting things in essentially just where you can is key. 
Oh, that was a long episode and my voice is going. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you really enjoyed it and found this episode interesting and insightful and have taken something away from it. I feel like we went over a lot of really good stuff today. So yeah, I really hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions about anything ever in regards to the episodes and the podcast and whatnot, feel free to just send me a DM on Instagram. I'm always happy to talk about this kind of stuff with people. And yeah, I'm always here to help in any way that I can. (laughs) But yeah, thank you guys for listening. I'm going to clock off, go have something to eat probably. It's like lunchtime now, so... I've got a fair bit of stuff to do today. It's Sunday, so I want to do like grocery shopping and meal prep and just kind of get ready for the week ahead. So I'm going to try and do as much as I can while I'm still not feeling well. And then I'm just going to cozy up on the couch, I think, for the rest of the afternoon and maybe watch some comfort TV. I think that will be my plan for the day. Um, But yeah, I hope everyone has a really beautiful day or evening wherever they are. And I will talk to you in the next episode. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at energeticsinalchemy. And if you're enjoying the episodes, I'd really love if you were able to subscribe and leave a review. Let me know your thoughts. I would appreciate that so, so much. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. And I will talk to you next time.